0: I don't know about y'all, but I am really thrilled to see that I am now at 200 numerical episodes of something positive for positive people. When you include the bonus episodes, I believe there might've been 14. So looking back on the last, it's been a little bit over four years, Starting out thinking that I might get one person to interview with a month and thinking that I could only do this podcast if I had a guest who was ready to and willing to share their experiences living with herpes, it's really just like miraculous to see just how much came out of this. What I want to do today uh, for episode 200 of Something Positive for Positive People is say goodbye. Uh I want to say goodbye to at the very least this format, this way of um running the something positive for positive people podcast. This does not impact the nonprofit in any way shape or form um over the last 4 years and just speaking to people and interviewing people, uh private conversations, interviews that will never be uploaded. Uh, people I'll never talk to again. (laughs) Um, a lot of what I have come across has really shown me that this isn't something that should go on forever. It's something that should live with the times that we face. Uh, as people who are navigating a herpes diagnosis. So over the last four years of interviewing people, we've heard from people who not only were living with herpes but who've dealt with things outside of their STI status. Things such as um, challenges with boundaries, navigating their mental health, navigating the medical field, navigating their sexuality navigating how to deal with and manage relationships, how to identify and work their way out of abusive situations, um, how they found support, and overall, how people began to initiate their healing process by simply making a decision to no longer avoid what's right there in front of them happening. So by bringing in acknowledgement. That leads to awareness and you tend to step away from avoidance when you do that. Anyone who finds themselves in this space of something positive for positive people is someone who has found themselves stepping away from avoidance. The quickest way to stop doing something is to stop doing it and if avoidance is a thing that's consistently been a pattern in your life for you to have made a decision to acknowledge that there is something that is there you're already on your healing process you've you've initiated it right by not just continuing to dismiss it or avoid it and you're going to have moments where you perhaps revert back to old behaviors but that's simply as a result of Your belief structures that were instilled in you that have nothing to do with what you truly believe. And so one of the consistent themes among this podcast you'll hear is that people had to challenge their belief systems with their behavior. What you think is one thing that's inside you, that's internal. You can behave in a completely different way than what you think. And you do it enough, you start to reprogram what those beliefs are in you. um, and, And you can act with like fact and say, well, actually, you know, I might think I believe this. But what I do is this thing that defies that belief or challenges that belief. So where I'm at now for me personally is I see that there are so many ways while I'm challenging stigma, I am still enabling the perpetuation of stigma for herpes, specifically. Um, I tell people, come here, get what you need and leave. I should have done that a long time ago, but there were just things that were pulling me back into this direction, Um, and I'm glad it did because I thought that episode 100 should have been the last one. If anyone has to obsessively listen to 100 uh, different experiences of people who are living with herpes, then... There's nothing that's going to be able to be done for them uh, at this space. There's nothing you'll be able to get out of me that is going to support you in your healing. So I also had to come to terms with the fact that maybe that is what it would take. Maybe 101 episodes would make a person realize, huh, this is the experience that resonates with me the most. And I can take the steps into my own healing process. And so. I, I stuck with it, you know, not to say that this was annoying. I really enjoy podcasting. I woke up two days ago and was like, I'm over talking about herpes. <laughs> like herpes, someone called me a herpes activist again. And that, that frustrates me because it really limits the dynamic of what this whole entire podcast, what this organization and what Courtney is about. So to say that what I'm doing is herpes activism or like I'm advocating for herpes, that's that's not what it is. I'm advocating for people. I'm advocating for people to challenge their beliefs with behavior. I'm challenging people to uh, to to heal and empowering people by connecting them to the resources and others' experiences that will support them in seeing that it's possible. And while healing is, to many of us, even me, a luxury, it is such a foundational necessity for whatever it is that you want your life to look like. And if your life doesn't look the way that you want it to, there's some healing that needs to take place. And Something Positive for Positive People has become something that makes the luxury of healing more accessible to those who perhaps want a therapist but can't afford it, who want support but don't know where to look, who wanna find community but just don't necessarily want to put themselves out there in a way that allows for other people to potentially criticize them or judge them. And these are all valid things. So, the podcast is going to just live in perpetuity until they take it down off the internet. Um, looking at the statistics, there are typically, on average, a thousand downloads of the podcast per week. Whether or not these are the same people or whether these are new people, I don't know. But given my own background in podcasting and working on the behind the scenes ends of the sales process and looking at downloads, I would say that the people who come to something positive for positive people aren't necessarily subscribed to the podcast. These are people who stumble across it um, in their search for herpes information, they may binge listen, take what they need and then go. And that's what I want everyone to do. So these are people who are uh, getting diagnosed, looking for ways to find support, in a way that doesn't compromise their anonymity their anonymity and these are that's who this podcast i guess that's just what the demand is for this show for this podcast as it is um and i don't want let me drop this now this is not the end of podcasting at least for courtney there's just going to be a transition. If you're someone who's here and you enjoy listening to something positive for positive people, if you enjoy hearing from people with herpes, and you're going to really love what is coming for season two because the people who have uh, spoken about their herpes experience... That's only been like the tip of the iceberg. As we explore a little bit deeper, how often have we talked about the ways that they navigated an abusive relationship or made their way out of an abusive relationship with a man? How often have you heard like and felt and sensed the discomfort in them from talking about emotions for the first time? How often have you heard about someone navigating boundaries? and creating their own value systems, that's really what the depth of something positive for positive people has been about. So what we're looking to do now is just expand into this being something positive from positive people. And what I mean by positive is uh, in the beginning, obviously season one is herpes positive, duh, or STI positive. But as we move on to season two of the podcast and season two being the next uh, starting at episode 201, um, this is going to be a focus on that, the aspects of people who perhaps have gone through something and navigated the challenges of healing. So this isn't a matter of, okay, how do I deal with my herpes diagnosis anymore? This is regular conversations with people who are navigating dating situations, perhaps one-offs. Like I think that we don't hear enough from everyday people about everyday experiences that we all face. How do you navigate going to a job that you hate? How do you navigate managing uh, depression on a daily basis? What if you're, uh, a family member has uh, a mental disability or uh brain deteriorating like how do you handle these things that are so much more significant than herpes how do you do that i don't know but i'm going to talk to people who who do know i'm going to talk to people who navigate this i'm going to talk to people who are in therapy or who have sought out therapy and had to find alternatives uh because healing is a necessity regardless of how much of a luxury it seems to be on the surface once you have into your awareness that You are able to acknowledge that healing needs to take place. That's when it starts. That's when the avoidance stops. When the avoidance stops uh, is where the healing starts. And the avoidance stops with the acknowledgement of the avoidant tendencies. So what I'm here today for uh, on this episode, episode 200 of Something Positive for Positive People, which closes out season one of this podcast, is to give people something that if 200 episodes, 200 whatever wasn't enough, this will be the one that gives you direction to take off uh into the next steps of your healing process. I don't want you to continue to come to Courtney, come to H on my chest or uh, something positive for positive people podcast for new podcast episodes. If you continue to engage with me, it's because you like being here and that should be it. So I want to give people the same thing that I encourage you to give to yourself, which is the gift of moving on, the gift of letting go, the gift of transitioning out of uh, focusing so much energy on your herpes diagnosis and move on to focusing on your your being, your identity, your values, your boundaries, your relationships, your connections. That's what I wish for you. So if you're listening to this right now and you know you might have anxiety in your chest because this has been something that's gotten you through your diagnosis, I completely understand that. Um, I feel with you. And I'm in support of whatever it is that you need, but it's time to take the next step. That next step could be reaching out about a therapist. That next step could be uh, figuring out ways to invest in your mental health, invest in your emotional health, or start to plan on how you're gonna take a risk. Like I, I'll talk to anybody and ask you know anyone who has communicated with me. I speak to everyone who messages me. If you need to talk, I will talk to you. I mean, I'm gonna ask for a donation to Something Positive for Positive People, of course, uh, just given the time and if there was value in the exchange, then I just ask that you give back to someone who's moving forward, uh, with who may be where you are or a little bit behind where you are so that we can continue to provide these services and support people along their healing journey. So this is this is it for the emphasis of herpes as a nonprofit. That's uh, this is going to be more of I I have to talk to my board of directors, so I don't want to say that specifically what this is going to be. But my goal is to shift the services of something positive for positive people, uh, the nonprofit to be not exclusive to people with herpes. I'm going to be flat out with you. What I've learned is that more people who have herpes are fine than are not. Just looking at how the surveys that I've done match up with one another in 2019, when I interviewed only podcast listeners, 98% of people were depressed after their diagnosis. And at 98, I'm sorry, it was 99, 99% of people were depressed. And I have to take into consideration that these are people who sought out support resources. So if you are looking for these services and resources, you're looking for something, then you need it so these are just the people who known that they needed it and that's exclusive to podcast listeners so the data from there and the 2021 survey that i had people take that number was significantly lower because it wasn't exclusive to podcast listeners it was just people who saw my message have herpes i may or may not know them um but other people who have shared the survey you know they sent it out to people who otherwise wouldn't have gotten in contact with it and i see now that more people are okay so for me to make an effort to provide uh therapy services exclusive to people with herpes i can't justify that when i'm seeking funding um the donations so far have not been enough to support uh therapy for people with herpes that's been something that's had to come out of my pocket So I've been self-funding something positive for positive people uh, as best I can, and I can't continue to do that. Um, It's no longer sustainable. The donations that'll come in have tremendously helped for sure, um, especially with uh, being able to get the group therapy going and uh several sessions like I've negotiated um to be completely transparent like I was getting people 12 sessions of therapy for $300. That was a 100% worthy investment from me so that I could have something on paper and do these um exit interviews and testimonials so that I can share, hey, this has been the healing process of people who are living with herpes. So to learn that even in these conversations with the people who've closed out their therapy and exit interviews, I've learned that herpes isn't really the root cause of it. There's While herpes is a sexual trauma, the diagnosis, there are other more uh, apparent, more covert sexual traumas consistently in the experiences of people who have gone through therapy. And in addition to that, you know, I'm making a point to offer therapy for free to people. And then I've got people that are just not showing up, uh, that have just stopped coming, people that aren't taking it seriously, people who want to do every three weeks a session. And it's like, I get that you know, this is, uh, it's a service, um, but I'm also finding that when there's no need for people to put anything up front, more often than not, it's not taken as seriously as it should be. So I have to, I got to I got to take care of the people who are serious about this um there's a young woman young black woman who um, is 18 19 years old she absolutely needed this so someone who's 28 years old has a full-time job is able to take care of themselves and like can afford therapy but isn't paying for it and it's coming out of my pocket when it comes down to it If I'm unable to support someone who genuinely cannot afford it for someone who can and isn't contributing and isn't uh, utilizing the services, I got to stop doing that. Like, so that's, I mean, you know, not to say that these few people ruined it for everybody because this is going to continue to be a service. I just have to hit the pause button for now until we can raise more money to make this a sustainable thing. That $300 for 12 sessions, that ain't going to fly no more. (laughs) Uh, The therapists that I've been working with, they've proved their value. They've proved their worth. They proved that they're serious. So I have to be able to pay these people what they're worth. And I've been able to get therapy for myself as well. And so I see the value of it. It's made me one hell of a better human being. It's made me a better podcaster. It's made me a better partner. It's made me a better friend. It's made me a much better executive director. And it's made me better in a sense of being able to support people outside of, um, it's been able to, hold on, okay. it's. Therapy has helped me be a better support resource to people who reach out to me on a regular basis. Like, I recognize that my um, seemingly infinite emotional capacity comes from a trauma response. Like, that's 100% what this is. Uh, I've created an entire organization that fulfills a childhood um, trauma of being the emotional support of my mom. And that's what this is now. And like, I've been essentially just groomed for this. So it's not like now what it is is that I recognize that and I'm able to more so consciously use that as a way of um, serving. And it's something that fuels my soul. It doesn't drain me. What drains me is being taken advantage of. What drains me is when it's not reciprocated, whether it be to me or other people, when that consideration is not taken um by people who I, and, and no one's taking advantage i think that there's just an, a lack of consideration of what this is so if you're not serious about therapy please don't reach out you know i have to set some hard boundaries here and i have to unfortunately have a much more intense screening process because i want to make therapy accessible for everyone And the closest transition to being able to do so is to provide therapy for people who've experienced asexual trauma. I think that a lot of us, you know, may want to deny that we have experienced a sexual trauma, but it's not something as covert as a sexual assault or having been uh, touched as a child in inappropriate ways. Or it could be something as simple as, like hearing your parents have sex, Early porn exposure, um, an STI diagnosis, even, you know, and when I say that to people, they're like, oh, that is I, I never thought about it that way. And that's a consistent, genuine thought that people just don't have that an STI diagnosis is, in fact, a sexual trauma. So. What's going to happen moving forward is uh, everyone who's enrolled in therapy now is going to stay enrolled in therapy. I have to pause. I have to hit the pause button until we get a lot of money. Uh, Once we get a lot of money, once we get funding for the nonprofit, then I'll be able to pay a full-time therapist so that when people do reach out, I already have someone who can work with anyone. This whole making an effort to create a network of therapists, that sounded great in the beginning, but the reality is I'm one person. Um, Now that I'm able to go back to work as a full time personal trainer, um, I'm still in my 300 hour yoga teacher training studios are opening back up. So I have opportunities to um, start making money and taking care of myself again, because with the nonprofit, like I don't pay myself and I really don't plan to until there's enough money in here for me to do so. It is more of a priority to me that the people who need therapy get therapy and need these resources get these resources and for me to be consistent with the things that i can do the part of that is why i've stopped editing podcasts because of time every 15 minutes of uh, a podcast episode is one hour of editing most of these episodes are one hour so that's four hours of podcast production a podcast producer makes roughly or could make roughly 35 to 50 something dollars an hour Right. So the value of my time in doing a lot of the free stuff that I've done has I don't want to say it hasn't set me back, but I've had to definitely make sacrifices. And having completed therapy, I recognized the reason behind that in me trying to prove my right to be here. as a person like proving my value to society and i have to stop doing that and i have to start prioritizing myself so what that looks like is now like i gotta get out here and make some money (laughs) so um what's gonna have to happen is i am going to prioritize finding a full-time therapist uh finding out what it is that they want to be paid and just look for somebody who's going to be able to fund that for me to be able to have a full-time sex positive therapist who is going to work with whoever reaches out whether you're in hawaii whether you're in another country well i don't know if another country is realistic um but to have someone here who can support everyone whether that be group therapy sessions on a weekly basis uh or individual therapy the people who reach out to be able to receive these services and as more and more people reach out as the demand increases and we can supply more therapists i've been just going about this uh in a way that wasn't as efficient as it could be so the whole idea of a network of therapists um i gotta take i gotta scratch that and take it back to the drawing board i recognize now like just because i have this emotional capacity to serve and be of support to so many people doesn't mean i have to always be operating out of a hundred percent capacity load i've extended myself enough to the point where i've proven to myself what it is that i can handle and now it's a matter of scaling back with more focus on fewer things and more efficient things more important things so prioritizing you know what it is that i believe is right and um i took some notes here to give people what they need in order to work their way through stigma and at the end of it all like if you've begun to do these things or if you find that they aren't helping reach out to me i will i will put you on the list and every person that i'm working for is just added motivation for me to have a fire under my ass for me to be able to get this full-time therapist So whatever my focus has been, because I've already done my last Something Positive for Positive People podcast interview, I did that yesterday. Um, Since the survey has been completed, I drafted up an email, a very professional email, and I'm sending that out to universities. I am sending that out to uh, college campus clinics so that they have this, so that the upcoming generations of people that I've seen struggling the most are people typically um, just out of college age that's who's getting newly diagnosed consistently, that's who's staying in abusive relationships, that's who's finding themselves struggling most with dating and their mental health, and who also don't necessarily have the resources to get therapy. So these are the people that I am aiming to reach immediately to support how they navigate the challenges of finding support. So um, if you want that email, i can send it to you just reach out to me courtney at spfpp.org that's c-o-u-r-t-n-e-y at spfpp.org um and this is also something i can probably put it up onto the website and change up the format in a way where it's not like first person language where it's I me because that's how I'm emailing people so if you want to just pick up this template and roll with it and send it to your healthcare providers or send it to your university or your staff if you're someone who works in the medical field um, or any organizations that you utilize on a regular basis like yeah please please do Cause like I said, it's a one man show and this is what I feel most compelled to do right now, especially since the survey came out. So all of that, we had 1148 people, 1148 people took this survey. That is amazing. And these are all people with HSV. And the results are very reflective of the Something Positive for Positive People podcast. And that's the information that has to get out there. That's what I want to put out there into the hands of not just physical health providers, like people who you know test you, treat you, but also mental health um, professionals, so that they understand when a client discloses to them uh, that they have an STI, that they have herpes, they have this resource in their back pocket to refer to so like i said the podcast is gonna stay up it's always gonna be available but we're transitioning into season two season two is i mean i'm excited for season two because what it means to me is there's a the the possibility of being able to serve people on a more broad level so it's not just people with herpes but it's like being able to just have these interesting in-depth conversations with people that extends beyond just herpes but like the person, like who people are, who people can be, I think that we need to see more of our potential. And we can see what our potential is through the perspectives of others. And we compare that to our life experiences and realities. And we can see the parallels, we can see the differences. But ultimately, there's this sense of sameness within all of us that I believe we can all connect to. And the undercurrent of that perhaps might be just our 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 energy that energetic undertone of what's said and how it's said so we're going a little bit deeper than what the emotional uh, the emotional nonverbal attachment to language is uh, verbal language, body language, and shit. Who knows? Maybe now I'll be able to get people to interview me and show their face and share the podcast. So as we transition into t- season two, something positive from positive people—that's something I don't. I don't think I need to get approved by my board. <laughs> so I'm gonna be able to do that regardless. But uh, there's something positive from positive people podcast. Uh, is gonna start with episode 201. Um, I talked way longer about that than I wanted to, so I'm gonna go ahead and let this be the cutoff point where we begin to talk about what I wanted to talk about originally, which is how to get through herpes stigma. Let me pull up, uh, where is... Oh, it's a preview. Okay, I'm going to have to... You might hear some clicking in the background on top of the construction. I'm trying to talk over it, but they're just like backing up trucks, and it seems like they're just doing this because I'm recording a podcast. They were not doing this before I got in here. So, let's begin. One of the first things that I encourage people to do in order to get through the herpes stigma is to first remind yourself of who you were before your diagnosis. The way that this looks is by going and doing the things that you still did before you were diagnosed with herpes what did you do were you into reading were you into dressing up did you watch anime were there shows that you watched were there activities that you did did you enjoy going out and uh, hanging out with friends did you go camping swimming uh, working out weightlifting yoga what were some of your hobbies and interests and I understand that a lot of people when diagnosed don't want anyone else to know about their status, but we really got to get past that because the quickest way to reminding ourselves of who we are is to disclose to someone. When I was first diagnosed, I disclosed to my mother and my grandmother. I had to because they were there, and when I was diagnosed or when I had my first symptoms, um, my mother took me to the emergency room. And I knew my mom was gonna tell my grandma because my grandmother's a nurse. So I go to the doctor and I get prescribed medication and first people that I I didn't even disclose, I just asked them if they had herpes. And there was no like revalidation of my identity through that. The validation of my identity came from beginning to disclose to my friends and seeing that they taught, they treated me no different. You know, they still teased me about not approaching women like they were a little less hard on me about it because I once I told them it was just because I got tired I got tired of them being like oh that girl's looking at you why don't you talk to her and I just be like oh I don't want to tell her I have herpes and so when I finally just got over it I let them know I was like man listen this is the reason that I don't like to try and do this because I have herpes and they're just like oh okay well don't a lot of people have herpes like why <laughs> that doesn't mean anything why aren't you talking to women and you want to Uh, you want to date, like you're just not dating, you're miserable, I see it, whatever. Uh, You need to get laid, basically, is what they were trying to say. So, uh, once I began to remind myself or be reminded of who I was prior to my diagnosis, I was able to reconnect with myself. I also got into yoga, but, uh, you know, yoga's not for everybody, so I'm not going to go into that. Um, Another thing to do is to accept yourself with compassion. I had to first you know, remember who I was and accept who I was. And then I had to also accept the fact that now I have herpes. And that means that I might occasionally have an outbreak, which means that I need to be more compassionate to myself physically. And it probably means that given it's stress-induced, I have not been compassionate with myself. So this has become a really good radar for self-compassion more than anything. So, the acceptance looks like being able to say to myself in the mirror, I have herpes. Being able to say to someone else, I have herpes, and not break out crying or have a breakdown or meltdown, but to be able to just articulate that in a way that comes across as, I'm okay, and I'm not going to project not being okay onto you as the person who I'm sharing this information with. That's what self compassion, or I'm sorry, that's what. acceptance through compassion looks like another thing when i was diagnosed i didn't look for resources Uh, i saw what i needed to see which was i have herpes and i need to tell people that was it consume resources and shared experiences and support as needed without obsessing in spaces whether attempting to alleviate or perpetuate stigma now a lot of support groups Uh, Perpetuate stigma just through group dynamics, people on power trips who've never had power before. Now you have say so on who gets into this exclusive club uh, where healing can take place, but often doesn't. It's more so coping in a lot of these spaces. Um, I get to determine whether or not you get in. I also get to determine whether or not you stay. And in this space, if you make a mess up, there's like this uh, this sense of being kicked out of your community. And if you take it back to our primal tribal days, community meant survival. If you got isolated or kicked out, your odds of survival decreased significantly. So there's almost like this evolved sense of that as well, where someone in power who's a group administrator, right? You get to say who comes, who stays, who goes, and also like what posts stay up. Uh, I've been in groups where I've tried to uplift people through posts, like sharing something positive for positive people. And these are huge groups Um, and sharing. I've had my post taken down. Oh, this looks like spam. You're talking about yourself or you're promoting yourself. And these have been useful resources. And I've stuck around a little bit. But when I've seen like other people were sharing, you can't say that that's self-promotion or spamming. So why are you taking down the positive comments? Right. And leaving up those negative comments, the ones where people are um, talking about how much they hate themselves, how much they regret having had this diagnosis, like being uh, in that space where this is allowed. What it looks like to me is somebody wants to save people. Oh, it'll be okay. I've been through that, too. You're in the right place. Like, no, you might be in the right place to feel a sense of togetherness. But you're not in the right place to heal. You're in a place of coping, of being around other people who are venting. You're venting around other people who are venting. There's this perpetual cycle of negativity. Nothing's being done. You're just holding space for people to be miserable. And that that infuriates me. It fucking infuriates me. I'll go ahead and mark this episode explicit and keep cussing as I feel like it comes up. So it's important to, like, for me, I've found spaces, at least one, where I enjoy getting with this group of people and yeah there's like some toxic shit that happens in there but like I believe that my presence and my collaboration with the uh leaders of the group and being in the group and like trying to demonstrate through my being and like talking to people and asking what they need and trying to offer what it is that they need I think that that's something that'll neutralize that toxicity as well of the environments so I am very pro do something about it. So that means that when things aren't being done and it's just like venting, 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 that frustrates me because it tells me that people like where they're at. And I understand that some people just need that time. They need that space. But how often are we going to continue to pull new people into that when people Don't necessarily need to jump into a space where everything's positive because even that can be uh, something that's toxic. That can be something that people obsess over and it may not match up to what their reality is. So we have to be very mindful of the spaces that we occupy and how much we occupy those spaces, how much energy we put into them. So, again, even with H on My Chest social media accounts, even with Something Positive for Positive People podcast episodes, you may not need to regularly visit uh, the sites or listen to everything that is posted or read every post that i've put out there how about just making a little bit of time for yourself to um check in like maybe once a week you look at the page or you listen to a couple of podcasts here and there, or maybe once a month, you just go down a rabbit hole of herpes information and disclosures and just see what's changed. But the remainder of the time that you have not dealing with herpes or not obsessing over herpes, that should be for you. That should be for your healing. There are plenty of other things that we need to work through and heal as individuals and even collectively as a society so what is it that you're going to do for yourself herpes is herpes aside that is going to help you heal Because herpes is just really a launchpad to healing. And it's a launchpad to a lot of other things simply because it's something that is on the surface and can't be uh, ignored. There were likely a lot of other things pre-herpes that needed to be dealt with that just got pushed away because they weren't a priority, because they weren't urgent. So what does it look like for us to prioritize those things that may not be on the surface, the things that aren't seen to be of any sort of priority as well? The next thing we have to do is identify what having herpes actually means for you. Give time to see how your body responds to the virus. Make note of how you mentally respond and what it is that you need whenever you have that initial outbreak, when you get that diagnosis, like, Are you going to just jump on medication right away? You don't know how long you've had it. You could have had it for years and your body was just able to keep it at bay for a significant period of time. And with it being able to keep it at bay, you introduce medication to your body. You may have a worse reaction to the medication. You may have a more uh, you may have more intense outbreaks or you may just like your body's own natural ability to combat outbreaks and combat shedding may be negated as a result of you taking this medication now i have a friend who might have had this for a while when he found out that he had it immediately jumped on medication and started having all the outbreaks and once he stopped taking the medication and he only took it as needed well now he only takes it as needed you know he's had a way less outbreaks so you know, if you're someone who has extreme outbreaks on a regular basis, then perhaps being on the medication daily is good for you. Um, I'm a firm believer that the pharmaceutical companies are really taking advantage of us. This isn't a great medication. It isn't effective for a lot of people that I've spoken to. And we have alternatives that appear to be even more effective, but there's no need for these companies to do anything different. If we collectively were to stop buying Valtrex and we just were to um, endure outbreaks or go through these alternatives of life scene and taking care of our stress and working out and moving our bodies and doing something for our mental health, then we'd put these pharmaceutical companies in a really tough spot to where they have to either cure this, provide some kind of cure, or better medication, because even if you're on the medication, you can, a lot of people are on it to prevent themselves from passing it on to others, and there is still a risk associated, uh, even if you're on the medication, so why even bother taking the medicine if that's the reason, right? If I want to prevent myself from giving this to a partner, why don't I have better medication? Because there is still going to be a risk. If there's a risk on medication, there's a risk off medication. Why would I even do it other than to, you know, use those numbers to provide a little bit of comfort for my partner? We don't hear from a lot of men, but I I now have to be the voice of reason here. Logically. It does not make sense. There's always a risk. And when you talk about percentages, even if I'm on medication and there has now been a reduction of risk by 1%, what if the risk of me, you know, without any physical symptoms showing, having sex with someone as, I, as a person with genital herpes, if the chances are 40%. Right? Forty percent chance of exposure and this medication brings it down one percent. That's thirty nine percent. Or if it reduces it down to one percent. If I have uh sex a hundred times while I'm on medication, then statistically speaking, one out of those a hundred times that I have sex, I am going to pass this virus on. I'm going to expose the person to virus, uh to the virus. And if that one percent is like, what if it's one percent out of every time my genitals make contact with someone else's genitals? Right. So every 100 strokes, there's a a possibility. One out of those 100 strokes is going to be what it takes to give someone herpes. So what am I going to do? Like counting and be like, oh, that was 99. Let's hope that it wasn't any of those that uh, are going to be the factor of you getting herpes. No. So think about that. Like we got to just really think outside the box and think a lot more objectively about why we're doing what we're doing. Like, why are we taking the medication if we're not having outbreaks? To me, that doesn't make sense. And when you read the bottle, you read the side effects, you see that there are often probably more side effects to taking the medication than not taking the medication. Outbreaks are triggers for a number of other things. Um, Like physically, obviously, they're uncomfortable. Uh, They may be painful. They may keep you from walking, being able to urinate. I am aware of this. What is it doing for you psychologically? What do these symbolize? Is is this a reminder of the way that you got it? Is this a reminder of your abuser? Is this a reminder of that one night stand you had? Is this a reminder of the shameful thing that you did in order to have gotten it perhaps? Or what if you just had it? What if this was just a reminder that you're human and that you had intimate contact with someone? Why can't this be like a loving reminder of a pleasant experience of intimacy with someone? You know, maybe someone has gotten oral herpes, cold sores, and pass it on to your genitals or pass it on to you orally and you, you know, the back and forth, whatever, whatever. Why can't we reframe the way that we are thinking about how herpes is transmitted? Oh, because it's sexually involved and sex is tied to so much shame and blibbidi blah, blah, blah. We had a encounter a connection physical hopefully it was uh consensual and that's how we were exposed to the herpes virus so let's try and think about it that way and again for anyone who's been through a traumatic experience um that led to their diagnosis i am not like picking on you and i'm not excluding you from the conversation i want you to find a therapist and again if that is a luxury for you like i said i want to be able to support those who need it and who are serious about it so reach out reach out to me and we will try and we will do our best to make this work if you have the ability oh that is a great segue into the next one if you have the ability and the resources see a therapist not a support group not a dating group not a social group a therapist because Oftentimes, a herpes diagnosis simply amplifies emotions that are already there if you're someone who's gotten to the point of seeking support. So it goes back to that survey. Anyone who took the survey in 2019 talking about uh, 6% of people uh, attempted suicide and half the people had thought about suicide. And even on the new survey where that expanded beyond podcast listeners, 30 something percent of people had thought about suicide and 2% had attempted suicide as a result of their diagnosis. So if you have the means, you have the resources, we we gotta get to the point where we can do something about it. I don't wanna see people coping with their diagnosis through avoidance. I want people to get to the place of acknowledging, if you're here, you're at that point, you can't look back now, (laughs) ha ha, sucks. Now you're self-aware. Now you've acknowledged that there's something there that needs to be explored. Now you can branch into your healing process. So you've listened to podcast episodes because I don't think anyone, this shouldn't be your first episode that you listen to. But if it is, yay, I'm glad you're here. Now you can enjoy uh, not having to worry about catching up. You can just go through and listen to other episodes. (sighs) Ah. So this is like, this is what it is. It's about um, being able to heal. If you got the resources, use the resources, okay? Here's a big one. And what's funny is uh, there is an Instagram account, STI, mm, STI dot something. I can't pull it up right now, but here's what we got. Ask yourself. Oh, no, I can't scroll. Hold on. And we running out of time here. Boom. No, don't go that way. Ah! Oh, I knew this was going to happen. All right. I got to read. OK, here we go. Answer the question. Who am I? Ask yourself, who do I want to be? The shortcut to this is looking at the invisible aspects of your intersecting identities, your values. I have a podcast. Um, I started a second podcast in March 2021. It's called Selfed. S-E-L-F-E-D, and it's wordplay on self-education as well as um, just like your future self, past tense self. uh, Basically, the tagline for it is self, Self self-education through self-discovery, self-exploration, and self-expression. It's as simple as that. And on this, I go through expectation setting. I talk about values. I talk about boundaries. This is basically my out loud journal for healing. So this is something that has been for me. I haven't promoted it. haven't talked about it. I haven't um, put anything out there for it or about it other than it's on a podcast. So if people want to listen, this is a good way for me to keep myself accountable externally by committing to uploading new episodes every Tuesday that's out there. Uh, I am going to be very quick here about it. But if you want, you can go and check out that podcast um, in more detail about how to do this, who I am. I am not exclusively a black cisgendered heterosexual male middle shit lower class uh philanthropist person like that's not an able-bodied that's not that those are like my visible identities i am so much more than that i resonate with evolution liberation and peace and i am a connector I am motivated by connection. I identify with the electrical current that runs through the nerves of the body that fuel the body and the mind. And it took me a lot of asking the question, what am I not in order for me to get to this point of realizing that I am not my body. I am not my mind. I have a body. I have a mind. What I am is that electrical current that runs through the body that triggers movement, that triggers thought, that triggers speech that allows for connection to take place. That is what I resonate with. And when you come up with those invisible aspects of yourself, your values, those were my values. Like I am motivated by connection, whether that be through food or sex. Over food, we have great conversations, we eat a good meal, I feel connected. Through sex, you are physically, I am physically penetrating someone and this is the way that we're connecting. Sexually, obviously, there's other ways of connecting, but these are just two like physical ways that I know that I uh, uphold, not uphold, that I meet my overall life purpose goal through connecting. Like, that's what it is, that's what it means to me. To be connected to means that my uh, identities as peaceful, liberating and evolving are all met. Like when I can be those things, those three things in front of people, I feel connected to. So we're gonna move on. Again, if you want a more in-depth analysis of that, you can go and listen to the podcast Selfed. All right. Uh, Gotta get to the top. Hold on. Okay. If you, oh, answer the question. Oh, here's a big one. Now, you know who you are in that sense. Ask yourself, what do I want? take herpes out of the equation. You can audio record, you can brainstorm with someone safe, or you can even just journal the answer to this. Once you have that answer, talk through what needs to be done to get what you want out of life. And then you gotta start doing it. You gotta pursue that thing. Make space for looking at herpes as disclosures and outbreaks occur, that's it. When it comes to herpes, the only issues that we really have are when we have an outbreak and when we have to disclose to someone. Those are the two most high priority uh, things to deal with in regards to herpes. So if you need to write down your process of, okay, when I have an outbreak, here's what I'm going to do. When I have to disclose, here's what I'm going to do. And then stop fucking thinking about this shit. Live your life. There are so many more priorities that you have. You got to pay your bills. If you listen to this podcast, you're old enough to where money is an issue now you got bills to pay you probably got sports to play you got a job that you need to go to you have a partner that you're trying to get to know you're probably dating maybe you're you know in not a good place right now and you need to take care of yourself at the end of the day herpes doesn't need all of this investment of energy when you want to disclose pull up your disclosure template this is your your routine default response to when you need to disclose to someone whenever you have to uh whenever you have to manage an outbreak you feel an outbreak coming go to your drawer pull out that piece of paper where you wrote down how you're going to manage your outbreak and then allow that to be when you deal with herpes outside of that it's going to creep into your mind you don't have to feed that you got other shit to worry about i've been talking to people lately who fall under the uh the majority of the population with people who have herpes and you know what they say to me they say to me i got more priorities than that that's why i I don't hear from these people on the podcast. That's why they don't have tragic stories. It was just, oh, I got diagnosed. So now I deal with outbreaks and I disclose to people. And that it didn't blow my mind because I'm aware of it. What blows my mind is how few people are able to make the transition into that point until they have the experience. And then they're surprised by it. Don't be surprised when someone is okay with the fact that you have herpes and still wants to move forward with you intimately and like build with you and have a relationship with you and have a career with you. Like That should not be a surprise to us. That should be the expectation. It should be a surprise when things don't go our way, when we think we're compatible with someone and then all of a sudden this comes up and we're no longer compatible. Let that be the surprise and then deal with it. Deal with that however it is that you need to deal with that. If you need to talk to your friends, uh, dive into your support system, see a therapist, whatever it is that you have to do to take care of yourself, take care of yourself. But herpes is not the priority. Don't let herpes sacrifice you from your priorities. You have so many more pressing concerns that get Lost in the clouds of or the fog of uh, navigating a herpes diagnosis, navigating herpes stigma. Don't let that happen to you. You don't have to. It's too many people. It's too many resources out there for us to be navigating this shit on our own in that way. For us to be giving so much to herpes when all it needs is a cookie cutter. This is how I'm going to respond to an outbreak. This is how I'm going to respond to disclosure. Period. Go live your life. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle. Have self-compassion in this healing process because it is an ongoing process. Even for me, I am still disclosing to people. I just had someone who she told me she's married. Her best friend who's a guy is moving away and she wants, she needs a replacement. She needs to replace her best guy friend. in On Bumble, in conversation, I say to her, Oh, uh, she asked me, how am I? And I go, oh, I'm good. And I just finished editing some audio. And as soon as I hit send, I was like, shit, I'm going to have to go through the spill again. She's like, oh, editing audio for what? Until I, I have a podcast. Oh, what's your podcast? That's really cool. You seem like an interesting person. Tell her about the podcast and that it's a nonprofit profit and about herpes. So I, I essentially disclosed to her. And then uh, she sent me three consecutive messages like, oh, man, yeah, we really need to do something about the stigma. That's great. Thank you for what you do. And then I reply and I ask a question, make a statement and ask a question and then nothing. So that to me says <laughs> a couple of things. This married person who said that they were replacing their best friend because they moved away actually had a different agenda than what was on their dating profile whether that's true or not I have to accept that that's a possibility because if we're just hanging out and we're being friends like what difference does it make that I have herpes and I was an interesting person up until I disclosed my status to you this is how we have to look at these kinds of things or this is how I choose to look at this kind of thing so I can't be so close-minded to the fact that oh well you know maybe we Maybe we just weren't compatible or whatever, but like very early on, you know, we had that conversation and she went away. And this might have been someone who was sketchy and probably was cheating on her husband. She didn't say she was non-monogamous. She said that she makes a great wing woman and all types of stuff like that. So what that said to me was our values weren't aligned. You probably weren't the right person, uh, or you. I'm probably not the right person for what it is that you're asking for. Because I ain't doing the whole. I'm not about to be with somebody who's cheating on their partner. Like, I I now have morals and values. I've been there before. I don't want to be there anymore. And also, I got shit to lose now. So when we realize we got shit to lose, like, I think we prioritize a little bit differently. Last thing, share your story to the point you're at now in alcoholics anonymous uh 12-step program i forget the name of the guy that i heard this from but he was on the jordan harbinger show or the aubrey marcus podcast one of those two those are like the two that i listen to religiously and the guy says you know the best way to help someone or to help someone heal is um to give them the opportunity to help you wait I think I'm saying that backwards. Yeah, you have to help someone else. Yeah, the 12th step is go off and help someone else. So in sharing your story in what may be a safe place, share it and your story may be helpful. So up until this point, people have been sharing on this podcast. I've offered a safe space for people to do so. And at this point, if you haven't shared your story on the podcast, then feel free to share your story with someone close to you. Allow for us to get allies. When we have allies, you know, just like with the LGBT community, I'm not an, a member of the LGBT community. I don't belong there. I'm a cisgendered straight dude, and as that, I can advocate. I can be an ally. I can, you know, talk when someone around me is being disrespectful to the community, or I'm I'm knowledgeable enough to where when people do that thing where they're like LGBT, uh, L M N O P, like that that joke, I'm like, hey, it's actually QIA. Like, I have enough knowledge to, at the very least, be able to let them know, hey, that's not okay for you to make that joke in front of me, so that they at least think about if it's okay to make that joke in front of someone else who might be a member, who might be uh, struggling with their sexuality, their identity, and feel as if they're invalidated on a regular basis. Like, That's the extent of what our stories can do. Our stories are suicide prevention. Our stories help someone not be stigmatized. So when we share this with people, complete strangers or people who, uh, everyone knows someone who has herpes. So when we are able to safely, comfortably share our story and you've got now 200 plus ways of going about sharing your story. If you listen to these experiences, you hear how people shared with me. These are all different ways that you can do so for yourself. And this is the healing process at this point. You have no reason to continue listening to this podcast because now your perspective has been expanded to the point where you know what your next steps are. So you can donate to something positive for positive people and support people who are wanting to take the next step. And shit, if we get enough money that comes in, then I don't have to necessarily pause services. I can just be uh, operating at a limited capacity. I'm going to teach yoga classes to raise money so that we can... uh, Get more group therapy cohorts going and I'm working to get funding so we can get a full time therapist and that I'm able to pay myself so that I can take this to the next level. I'm seeking speaking engagements. I'm reaching out to healthcare providers and clinics and therapists so that this resource is available to them because then. When the podcast grows, then we can get ads and that's more money that comes in. So this is the these 200 episodes have become the fundraising tool for something positive for positive people. And as we transition into season two, it's about to get real. We're expanding. We're learning how to heal from things that are talking about like beliefs and behavior patterns and like just healing through some form of trauma, probably sexual trauma. Thank you so much for all of your support to this point, y'all. I hope you continue on with me to season two. Till next time, stay sex positive.